Hello out there. Rochelle here with another episode of Unabashed You, where we as women get to talk about stuff with a shout out to the men listening. We're grateful for your encouragement. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. I'm still trying to figure out how today's guest, Becca, has been able to learn so much in her 40 years. She shares wisdom seamlessly, sprinkling our conversation with these truth nuggets that kept me in a state of suspended amazement. I think we barely scratched the surface, and I suspect there's ample teaching Becca could do that we would all benefit from. Hopefully, there is more to come. I believe each woman has worth. Each woman has something to share that we can all learn from. That is certainly true of today's guest, Becca. We got to know each other at a women's retreat. She is warm, welcoming, and seeks to invite others in. It's a gift not everyone has. She takes time to see you to recognize and appreciate you for you, your value. It's one of the many endearing things about her. Welcome, Becca. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, we're glad to have you. All right, we're going to get to know you a little bit. What would you like our listeners to know about you by means of an introduction? Um, Well, you already said my name. So hi, everyone. I'm Becca. I'm in my 40s. And I've been married 22 years. So I did I was married quite young. Um, My husband and I have four amazing kiddos. They are in their middle age years. So grade school through high school, which is, you know, it's kind (laughs) of nice. They're out of diapers. But now we're into that teenage drama. So Oh, Lord help me. Um, (laughs) I grew up in San Diego. I lived there for 40 years until moving to the Pacific Northwest. So quite a few degrees difference as far as temperature is concerned. And um, uh, we have two hairless dogs who wear sweaters year round here because it is very cold. (laughs) And I mentioned the dogs because they may come scratching at the door while we are talking. And uh, one very noisy bird. And um, I have a degree in child development. I was a teacher before I started my family, and I'm a certified family support specialist. I, um, I'm just living life, and that's about go. just a little bit about who I am. What's a I, what's a family certified? What what was it called? A family certified su- family support specialist. So I got that while I was going to school for child development, which I switched my major six times. I think that's how I ended up with the cer- certificate because I, I, I just kept taking classes and taking classes, and I think. In my junior college, I ended up with like 120 credits, which I think is right around the amount you need to get a bachelor's degree. But that's how many times I was like, well, maybe I want to be a nurse. Well, maybe I want to be a teacher, you know, so um, went back and forth with that. So uh, the, the certificate just means that I really can get down with down and dirty with families and help them connect to different avenues of 
help. And I guess health and wellness is really how I use that right now to, you know, help people who are struggling, especially in parenting. And that is my specialty. Right. And we're going to get to some of that later, which I'm looking forward to. What three words would you use to describe yourself? All right. So I think number one word is friend. And I hope when I die that people can say she was a really good friend. Um, observant in the fact that I really love the people watch. Um, I'm a good listener, so I'm observant and wise. And I don't want to sound like prideful, but wise in the fact that I, I research things. So if I hear something, I want to know more and I research the heck out of that. So, um, I read a lot, I read online and books and, um, I think wise would be a good word. Cause I also, you know, love to have conversations like this to grow my mind. So, right. No, I think that, I think those are really good words to describe you. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> thank you. And that's, yeah, that's just the start. That's scratching the surface. Okay. Now, a female fictional character that inspires you. And this could be a show from your youth. So it could be TV, it could be a play, a book, a movie. I mean, somebody, somebody created this person. This one is really hard. I, <laughs> I, I don't really enjoy many fictional characters. I would say I'm one of those people that enjoys like personal development books. And then I watch, you know, movies about like detectives. So I guess if I was to say fictional, it would be a character who would be maybe uh, like a Nancy Drew novel character. Probably okay. somebody who's you know, researching and detective work and maybe even a journalist, but I really admire a lot of real life people like you, Rochelle. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. So it's you true. like those qualities of coming upon like a problem or a challenge or a mystery. And then how can I solve this? So yes. you, you pour into it, you research, you look for clues, yes. you, you want to get to the bottom of it, but you, it sounds like you very much enjoy the process of getting there. So it's not just about the solution. It's about that the, the great journey that you took to get there and all the knowledge you gained all, along the way. Yeah. And I think that really just summed up my whole life. <laughs> 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 the mystery, the trying to solve the problems. And, you know, even as a mother, as a wife, I mean, you know, the whole everything. Um, yeah, I think that's how I approach to life. And so maybe that's why I admire that type of person that can help me figure right. things out. <laughs> so, right. You're, you're right. Like a detective or a journalist, they, they, they tend to have those sorts of qualities of, yeah. of wanting to know, of wanting to yes. know, and wanting to figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do you develop and protect your sense of worth? This is, you know, as women, we struggle with this, whether we started when we were younger, which we typically do. How do you, how do you guard that? Um, well, I think, unfortunately, a lot of women end up coming by their protecting their self-worth through some sort of trauma, right? Like we go through probably a really hard life, you know, lesson, and then we realize, wow, I need to protect my, my self-worth or else I'm going to going to end up a victim again or victimized over and over in my life. So I think for me, um, 
it really came through education. And I think that's why I became an educator was because I, um, I needed to heal from not just like childhood traumas, but even in my adulthood, I realized that things were sneaking back up and I was actually choosing friendships that ended up being, um, toxic over and over again, but I chose those people in my life. So what can I do about me that I can choose better or healthier so that, I'm not, uh, again and again, being wounded in the same way by the, or the, you know, different people, same wounds. And so for me, um, I think one of the biggest changes in my life, I actually took a course that was seven months long and it was called life skills. And that one, it, it was a deeper dive than what I had learned in school about, you know, human development and the brain and, you know, the way that we work inside. It was more like taking responsibility for, the choices that you're making. And even if somebody else has been, you know, the, the one who, you know, dragged you through the mud, how, what are you doing now about that? Mm. And are you going to continue to be dragged through the mud? Are you going to stand up on your own two feet? And then in that, who are you going to help? Right. Now that you're out of the mud, who are you going to reach back and grab their hand and help pull them out of that pit too? So I think it was all throughout my years of, you know, uh, childhood, but marriage, um, children, I have four children. So with each child came a new obstacle with either what they were going through as far as their health issues and then mental health issues. And then what that reflected back onto me as, am I doing everything that I can to help my children? And then in that, am I helping me heal too? So, wow. Well, that sounds like a really powerful, uh, course and that it really had an it had an impact in helping you you heal and not being drawn stopping the cycle it helped like it really helped you stop that cycle of choosing the same people kinds of people over and over again right and like we choose our crazy is what I tell people like (laughs) we when we allow you know sometimes you think I'm just going to help this person but you know it what kind of help are you going to give that would allow even more crazy into your life so um boundaries boundaries is a big thing and most of us don't like to put boundaries right because we feel like I'm hurting that person because now I'm putting this boundary but I think there's always going to be a loss of relationship when you put a boundary but the boundary should help um you maintain, maintain some sort of, um, protection, either mentally, physically, um, some sort of protection. And there is going to be a loss of relationship, whether that be with your, you know, your parents or your own spouse, or even a grown child, right? You're putting a boundary. There's going to be loss of relationship, but is that boundary going to help, you know, preserve your mental space, your emotional health, you know, and sometimes your physical well-being too. Right. I never yeah. thought about it that way, that a boundary would just by definition would necessitate a loss of relationship. Is Do you feel like that's always the case or just generally the case? I do. I do feel like that's all, always the case. And I feel that other people really don't like when you put boundaries up. So you better be ready that if you're going to put a boundary that they're there will be some sort of um, repercussion on the other side that people don't like to be told no. Or, you know, (laughs) when you said that I felt, you know, angry or I felt sad or hurt, people don't like to hear that. So 
So if you say it again, I'm, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to need like space away from you. People don't want to hear that. You know, there are tools though, that can help us be stronger and help us stand up and not be re-victimized by the same people, but it's going to maybe take some space away from that person in our lives. And that's hard. It feels like almost like a ripping of a you know piece of your heart sometimes when you've had relationships like that. Well, and, and yet they are so necessary. And I think, I, I mean, I, I can't really speak for men not being one, but I think as women, because we are so relational, it is so difficult to actually, you know, put forth a boundary and then stick to it, knowing that yeah. this is actually in my best interest in terms of my, my health. I'm not trying to be selfish. I, I need to maintain a certain amount of peace and wholeness. And this thing right now that we got going on here, it's not working so much. So right. I've got to do X, Y, or Z. And I, I'm going to do this. And this is what's going to happen if it's not acknowledged and respected. So hard okay. for women to do, but so necessary. It is. It is necessary. And it's, it's like, it does feel like a ripping of your heart because you love your relationships. Like you love that person. And maybe there's um, a need to want to see that person healed from whatever their trauma is. So you're trying to stay around to try to help them heal, but that's not your job, first of all. And I think a lot of us become re-victimized in that sticking around too long instead of putting that healthy boundary and saying, no, I'm not going to be your, you know, punching bag or your kicking post or, you know, for my well-being and maybe even for my children or for, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, somebody like uh, maybe your children's parents, right? So like I've seen even in my own family where there will be my children are playing with your children, but then that parent gets mad. And so they'll take their children away. Like, oh, our kids can't play together. And I think even there that feels like a oh, loss of relationship. But we also need to help our own children um, come up with their own healthy boundaries too. So that doesn't keep happening. Like, right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard, but I think it's necessary to learn these lessons and to teach our children too. Absolutely. And you have a lot of, I mean, it's wonderful that you use the word wise because it, just in this little bit of conversation we've had so far, I'm extremely impressed by your wisdom and you're in your forties. You, you've got still got a long way to go. I, I can't imagine how wise you're going to be in future years. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, and maybe I'll write a book. I, you know, and I, I'm sitting here thinking she should write a book. She should write a book. I mean, it's just, Oh, well maybe after I, you know, I don't know what the future holds. Yes. All my children are at home right now, you know, forced homeschooling and I don't know when that book's going to be written. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it'll, It'll be an auditory book. I'll just, you know, audible. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, speaking of wisdom, what is a piece of wisdom you keep handy other than the ones you've already, other wonderful nuggets you've already shared? Something that you just, it's right there. You're ready to pull it out of your back pocket. Um, choose joy. Oh, choose joy. So beautiful. I think that especially right now with this last year with 2020 and moving into 2020, 2021, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, we really have to take control of our joy and where we put our energy and where, where our focus is. I, I, I've heard it said many, many times, like, um, we, 
there's these statements that we make sometimes where we set ourselves up for disappointment. Like, you know, if, if that happens, I'm going to be so mad. Like we've already set ourselves up for disappointment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we still have to wear masks, let's say by, you know, October, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be so upset or fill in the blank. Right. Right. It can be anything. So we're already setting ourselves up for disappointment. So instead we can look at like choose joy. And also we can only be wounded or upset to that level of expectation we had. So maybe we need to start lowering our expectations too, to um, match that level of, I really don't want to be like really, really, really disappointed when we are wearing masks in (laughs) October. So I'm going to lower my expectations and just for me personally, I'm like, we're just, we're going to wear masks forever. That's just my <laughs> level of expectation right now so that I don't go outside every day and think, you know, things are going to be different in a, in a moment's notice. And it could be something else, like fill in the blank with your um, whatever it is expectation. Like if my mother-in-law keeps calling at, you know, 9 p.m. and wanting to talk to the kids and rile them up right before bed every Saturday night, then I'm going to be so upset. Instead of saying that, we can lower expectations and say, you know what? she's probably going to call. So um, I will probably just let my kids be crazy for one night a week or boundary, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that choose joy moment, where are we, where are we allowing the crazy in our life? But okay. that's my motto. Okay, I, lo- mug, oh, I love it. Okay, so <laughs> choose joy. And one of the ways you do that is by lowering expectations. That way sure. you're not in a perpetual state of, high expectations and being disappointed. Right, right. I think like everybody can use that one every single day. 100% of our anger comes from an an unmet expectation. And if you think about that, how many times a day are you, you know, feeling frustrated or angry? It might be one and it might be 20. Well, what was your expectation either on A, a person or B, on the situation? And can that expectation be lowered? Oh, my gosh. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I will read it. I will read it. Oh, my gosh. I I will. Like, come come what may, this book will be written for Michelle. (laughs) This is incredible. I mean, you just have some really – and you know what I I like about – everything you're sharing is these are very doable things. It's not like you've just laid out this nice little theory and you're like, well, that's a nice theory, but how do I take that and put it into my life? You know, you're, you're saying choose joy and this is how I do it. Oh, I I just, I think it's remarkable. Thank you so much. I, I think it was born out of that necessity of, um, our health is uniquely and intricately tied to our um, our mental well-being, our mental well-being, so our physical health, right? The issues are in our tissues is the saying that I've heard. And I think <laughs> oh my if you don't take care of the issues, then it will manifest itself in your health. And this all, I think, sparked from a health and well-being perspective in my life that came from a lot of challenges either with my children or with myself and then needing to take care of that. Right. And how do we approach that in a, you know, um, not just with a popping a pill, right? Western medicine approach, but how can we approach this and, you know, uh, holistic 
approach to health and wellness. And it was really out of necessity for myself and for my children. Right. And that leads us into our, our deep dive, our, our topic. And uh, you've got a few things that are beautifully interwoven. And, and this is this is part of it is that you have gravitated toward health and wellness in part because of yourself and your children. Do you want to tell us about that journey that that really drew you to advocate and want to acquire knowledge in the, in health and wellness? Yeah, sure, sure. I I would say at first it was me, but I didn't I didn't really take the deep dive for me. And I would just say for me it was I would go to the doctor, I'm tired, I don't know what's wrong. Here, take this antidepressant. I don't know, doc, I'm not sad. I don't feel depressed. I just feel very overwhelmed with taking four kids to the grocery store while my husband is on a deployment in the Middle East. Like that doesn't feel like depression. I feel tired. And so (laughs) for me, it came from that space of my Western medical doctors uh, pushing pills and not really listening to the heart of of the matter. And then fast forward, you know, several years into uh, now I have children and they're growing up and they have their own needs and they also want to do the same thing with my children and my three-year-old son at the time where this really took a turn in my life they wanted to put him on Adderall and I just thought he will be a zombie who's non-reactionary because right now he's overreacting to everything right and they want to calm him that part of him down but what kind of shell of a person would be left. And I I don't say that if any judgment to any parent who has chosen Adderall for their child or any kind of other um, pharmaceutical, I I say that with, I didn't want what little personality that I was seeing glimpses of to be totally lost with something that was very strong for a three-year-old. And I thought there's gotta be another way And that was the turning point in my life where I, as I didn't have the drive to really take charge of my health for me, I took charge of my health for my third child. And he was only three at the time. Mm. And that, that led me on the journey towards um, a different way. And it was my sister actually, who threw me the life ring and said, I have something I want you to try it. And I rolled my eyes and I thought, what is this ridiculousness that you're putting in my hand when nothing I have tried has worked? Mm. We've been in occupational therapy. We've been to speech therapy. You know, we've done all these things and this, you're giving me this little teeny tiny bottle. And why, if this is our answer, why has the doctor not told me that? And so, you know, that, that started my journey. My sister's a holistic health practitioner, so I trusted her. But most parents would do the thing that I did, which was roll my eyes. And if you're handed something from a friend or maybe even a stranger, you probably won't even try it. But because it was my sister and I trusted her, I tried it and it worked. And that really was the fork in the road. And once it worked for her, I tried it for myself. I mean, not for her, for my son. I tried it for myself. And then it was like, everybody's. (laughs) everybody's got to try this. And now we have answers and the freedom. It was the freedom that I felt at first. I wanted to hoard this gift that my sister handed to me (laughs) and you know, no, I just have just enough for my family. And then I really had this deep conviction to share and to share that knowledge. And once I started to share and I saw other moms, other children finding this, you know, different path for themselves, 
and I know it sounds like, oh, you know, like uh, <laughs> drugs or like a different path, like a, a religion. No, that's not what I'm talking about at all. It was actually, you know, it's essential oils, but that got me on the path of holistic healthcare of not just allopathic, which is uh, Western medicine, but really the whole body, what body system is being affected for my son, it was neurological. So I actually started looking into brain integration therapies after, you know, we had um, essential oils that were for the nervous system. And that, that led us to that another path of just doing things to help the body reintegrate the, you know, with the brain. And, um, he's a totally different child now. Like he's 11 and he is able to go to school when there was school <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, sit in, in a, um, a movie theater and go to the park. And those were things that weren't happening in our life. I stayed inside because once, once things really started uh, going off in his, in his world, we couldn't be around people. It was just too much. I didn't leave the house for at least two years. Wow. And I'm not, I'm saying like, I left the house by myself, put the kids to bed, ask Nana to watch the kids and I would go grocery store, but we really didn't go anywhere. We couldn't go to restaurants or to playgrounds or anything like that. Well, that makes it hard for you and for all the kids, right? Right. And right. did, did, they, did they understand? Uh, yes, it was very codependent. <laughs> well, I just wondered, you know, if if little one felt like, wow, we don't get to go because of me or, you know, it wasn't it, he no. never really concluded that. Yeah, no, he and that's better. He obviously. Did not know. OK, that's right. Much better. Right. He he really didn't know the older two children did understand that, you know, we're not going to the restaurant or we have to, actually, it just started because we had to leave so many places, leave the groceries, the grocery cart in the grocery store, um, full of groceries and walk out because my son is now screaming or hitting me or anybody nearby, trying to climb out of the cart, run down the aisles, throw things around. You know, I was that mom that you probably looked at and like, why is she here with her child? Like take the child <laughs> and not knowing that, you know, my husband was probably gone on an deployment and I had to get groceries at some, this was before, you know, Amazon delivered groceries <laughs> to your doorstep. Like right. how many times did I think in my head, where's the, like the nearest drive through grocery store? Well, that didn't exist at the time. Like, <laughs> 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 and so my kids knew it was very codependent of like, we need to keep the peace, stay calm. We have to go to this place, try not to, you know, um, do too many things. And, and really my son has sensory processing disorder. So, um, lights, loud sounds, the motion of the car, anything like that. And if you're a mom and you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, um, could, you know, I, I, I always thought this might be something that's going on with my child in the car. Well, look into that, you know, look into, you know, the vestibular issue within the inner ear where cars motion back and forth might be setting off something neurologically, which was happening to my son. So even car rides, I had to be very strategic and separate my son, you know, in his five point harness car seat in one side of the minivan in the back. And then the other kids are on the other side, you know, because he would start hitting and kicking and screaming because he was so overwhelmed just being in the car. So if you're a mom and you're out there, I just want to tell you there is hope. There is hope if you're listening to this. 
Oh, and that is a very yeah. hopeful message. And I know there yeah. is a lot to the essential oils, and they really do seem to be yeah. gaining popularity. And also, people are wanting to really understand them better, which I, I think is a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. Okay, something else that um, I, I thought this was so cool. When we had our pre-talk, you asked me how I saw you. No, no guest has ever done that before. And I thought, wow, that is really, I, I just enjoyed the intrigue of that question. And of course, I came out with a slew of adjectives. But tell us um, your strength. You recently took, uh, I don't know if it was recent, but tell us about your, your strength and the, the tool that you, you used to find what your strength was. So I use Strength Finders. It's from Gallup. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody has heard of Gallup's uh, polls that they do. You know, the Gallup poll showed 100, you know, people out of 200 or whatever. So Gallup has a... Um, a test that you can take online called strength finders. And my top strength was includer. And <laughs> that kind of means that I don't want anybody to feel left out. And I'm sure if you do like the psychology deep dive into that, it's from my childhood or something. But I, I remember being the kid in school who was friends with the um, unlikables or the ones that everybody thought like they're weird, don't be friends with them. And maybe that I don't know what sparked that in me. That was just, it didn't matter to me that this person had cochlear implants and they talked weird. You know, that was right. my best friend. And it didn't matter to me if this person was wearing uh, clothes with holes in them because they're still a person like this. This is a, a person and they're actually really funny and they're fun to be around and you just take a minute to get to know them. And that was my childhood where, you know, I was the, the, I was probably just like them. Like I was probably the weirdo too that everybody <laughs> talked, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and, and so in, as an adult, uh, it came out with this, you know, strength in the strength finders test that said includer. And I was like, that is me. I don't want people to feel excluded, but also this could be like the, you know, there's a negative to every positive, which would be um, becoming a doormat because you uh -huh. want people to be so included. And so that's where I think my, my lifelong, you know, uh, search for healthy boundaries has come from. Oh, well, the, yeah, yeah. That, that is a good way to balance both of those. And right. you talked about that you want to know that everyone knows they are loved. So, so speak on that a bit. I, I well, I would say that as I'm a Christian and I think that there is a plan and there is a purpose for every human being. And I, I feel that if we don't know that, that there's purpose for our life, I believe hopelessness and um, isolation is the number one reason why people end up either a taking a like 180 and becoming somebody who you don't even recognize anymore or b suicide. I think that, Isolation and hopelessness is the number one cause of suicide. And so if we could just show people that they are awesome, they're amazing, and they're, uh, we love them. I love them. And I, I, right. believe that, I believe that so many more people can be saved from, you know, tra tragedy. Right. So. I, I think, too, though, it's not a though because I loved everything you said. There is this... Um, myth 
I think, out there, that Christians are really only going to love Christians and mm. that, you, you know, people have to kind of fit these certain criteria points for there to be relationship and love. And obviously, that is the opposite of how Jesus operated. But there's still that kind of, um, well perception there's that perception out there that we're really only interested in people who think and feel like we do yeah and I think that if anybody out there is questioning what it means to love people the way that Jesus loved people just read you know Matthew in the New Testament of the Bible just read actually like go dig a little deeper into not, you know, my grandpa says he was a Christian and he was horrible to me. That's just an excuse of somebody else's life and what, you know, they were, but have you for yourself actually read what Jesus wrote? I mean, not wrote cause he didn't write this, but what he said, how he lived and he loved people no matter what, like mm -hmm. he talked, he talked to, uh, women. And that wasn't like, you weren't allowed to just talk to women. You definitely weren't allowed to talk to women who were considered, you know, um, maybe like a little loose. Right. <laughs> and, and that's who he talked, you know, he, he spoke to people that were outside of his, um, uh, uh, culture and, and he just loved them. He would, I don't know how to better explain it than please do a little scratching of the surface and read Matthew in the new Testament and just look at Jesus's life. And if you can emulate or just, you know, one thing that he did, then I think you'd be like on a much better path to, right. um, you know, to life. And really the bottom line is love. I love. mean, if, if we loved. had to put it, you know, if we had to put it all into one word, it's, it's love. And so things that don't feel or look like love mm -hmm. are not love. That's not love, right? That's not love. So it's pretty easy to measure that then, in my opinion, because it's really pretty simple. But people have made it extremely complicated when it's not a complicated issue, including some believers have made it very complicated when it's not complicated. And right. it's unfortunate because then we all get lumped into that category. And I don't correct. Right. I don't I don't want to be in that category where I'm thought uh, less than or thought, you know, no, you're because preconceived ideas or notions. It's like, no, just yes, I do believe these things, but watch me in action, please. And yes. if I misstep, then I I would love to make it right. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think some people have a bad taste in their mouth about maybe, you know, Christianity because there was somebody in their life who wounded them, who maybe perverted uh, what being a Christian really, really was. And maybe they used it as a tool against that person. Yes. And so I think, you know, if we come from a place of love and, and forgiving um, or just letting go, letting that person, you know, maybe that person wounded you or victimized you, but like, forgiveness does not mean like I'm going to allow that person into my life to wound mm -hmm. me again. Forgiveness just mm -hmm. means um, you are no longer responsible for my healing. 
And I think when we could start there, like I'm responsible for my healing and just let you go, then those people who wounded you, whether they be, you know, believers in Jesus or not, like as soon as we can let that go, the, the people who have victimized you, and then we can start to grow from there. Oh, my gosh. You've got to write a book. I, <laughs> I will. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's just, there's so much to, to be said and so much to say. There oh is. God. There is. I, I've lived like uh, a lot of, of, a lot of different lives because, you know, there was me single and then there was me married, married without children, which my husband and I had a hard time. We dealt with infertility. So I had my first child when I was 27 and I was in a military wife. My husband was in the Navy. So I had, you know, most, most of our marriage, he was the Navy. And then now I didn't actually mention this at the beginning, but my husband's a pastor. Like, how do you go from, (laughs) and if anybody has been a military spouse, you know that that is far from the the life that you would think it would be to be the spouse of a pastor, right? But there were actually, I'm finding a lot of similarities between the two, but still I've lived like these many different lives or worn many different hats. And uh, here I am now this, you know, my, our life is, is different, but very similar to the way it was in the military right? where it's a life of service again. Right. Yeah. Well, I think your perspective is so, um, healthy back to that word and so whole i mean you really you want to see the whole person you know warts and all and it doesn't matter and i i think that is spot on yeah yeah as and i do want to mention that at first i thought my passion was just working with kiddos but it was through this journey of of life and the many different hats where I realized I want to work with moms. And I believe that I want to work with moms because it would be like um, being able to influence a teacher and that teacher influences a classroom or many classrooms throughout the day as Mm -hmm. compared to just one student in the classroom. And so I realized when I, you know, was on this path that if I, as an educator can educate the moms who influence so many little ones throughout the day that that would be like far, you know, more reaching than just work with, you know, just the kiddos in my life. And so um, my passion, and I hope that people uh, are listening and have, have, you know, heard this is to work with moms and to, to just um, help open them up to uh, maybe a path of recovery or how to be a conqueror and overcomer. And um, I guess the dealer of hope, hope dealer, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to, for lack of a better, a better term, but um, oh, that's, a good that, one. that's where my heart is to work with moms and women, but mostly because my story is, is you know, uh, four kiddos that, you know, moms. And, and I realize that sometimes, you've never held your baby in your arms and you're still a mom. And so um, I have a a very sweet spot, you know, like this little soft spot in my heart for those uh, people to have lost children or miscarried children. And um, that's, that's also part of my health journey. My sister um, uh, had a a stillborn child. And so that's Mm -hmm. part of my, um, my soft spot for wanting to help women too is women who have dealt with the loss of a child who maybe never held their child in their arm, but they're still, still a mom. Right. 
Yeah. So how to help, you know, heal and overcome through that too. So are you doing this informally or do you have like an actual like business? So before the lockdown, um, one of my other sisters, not the one that lost the the, uh, little one, but one of my other sisters, we would teach classes and educate and we would incorporate essential oils into it. And just because essential oils um, or any smell, right, if you smell something, it's coming uh, from the essential oil in the plant or in the food that you're smelling. Um, that actually accesses your olfactory nerve in your brain with within milliseconds. And so we mm. would pair the, you know, from victim to victorious education with essential oils so that you can actually um, recover faster. And so, yes, I used to have not anymore. Um, We'll see. We'll see because of, you know, <laughs> this having all four children. I didn't intend to be a homeschool mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really now again, another hat trying to, you know, rewrite the story, I guess, of how to be a homeschool mom and a working mom at home. Like, <laughs> yes, I would say I'm still self-employed, but I've definitely put my business on the back burner to right. be there be there for my kids right now. Right. Well, and that is very yeah. important. I do hope also that you're, you'll be able to pick up that gauntlet again, because there's a lot of education that needs to be imparted. And yeah. you are a really good fit um, for, you have such an easygoing way about you that yeah. I think I, I would love to, you know, learn from you. I think oh, thank be, you. Yeah, I think it would be um, very enjoyable and informative. And uh, no doubt I would just be able to learn a ton. So oh, any, any, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, and if you, when you get started again, I mean, my kids are out of the house, but shoot, I'll, I'll learn something else. <laughs> yeah, maybe a series of workshops. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Now, any last words before we sign off? Anything we didn't cover that you wanted to cover? I think there's so much more we can say, but I will just leave it at choose joy. Choose, choose joy. joy. Yeah. I love Everything. that. That is fantastic. Okay, well, we will, I will do my thing. And um, thank you for this time. It has been an absolute joy. I am choosing joy in this moment to tell you how much joy I received from your choose joy slogan, motto, philosophy, way of life, and how much joy I received from having this conversation with you. I love it. I love it. And I just wanted to say a disclaimer that does choose joy really came from my sister and, and, and it, we have a business and uh, the, the whole sister. So I can't take, I can't steal it. Um, and I just want to say thank you to my sister, Brandy for okay. being an, being an overcomer and for, you know, sharing her light and really igniting that light within me. And, um, so I just want to put that out. That's there. wonderful. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> You've got the whole thing going here. Okay. Excellent. All right, Becca, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so All much. Right. Take care. Bye Rochelle. Take Bye. care. Bye. Don't you think Becca should write a book? I sure do.
a few of my takeaways from victim to victorious, the option to choose joy. Forgiveness means you are no longer responsible for my healing and the issues are in the tissues. Becca has a drive for health and wellness and she wants to educate others with what she's learned. We can incorporate these takeaways into our life, our thinking, our feeling today. There is goodness to be gained from being ourselves and sharing who we are with the world. Thanks for being part of the Unabashed You conversation. The Unabashed You website has photos, quotes, and a blog for each episode. Each episode's audio is embedded on its own page at unabashedyou.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Verbal, that's V-U-R-B-L, where we invite you to subscribe, rate, and review. Social media accounts, Instagram, Unabashed You, Facebook account is Rochelle Renee, that's R-E-C-H-E-L-L-E-R-E-N-A-E, with the page being Unabashed You. Twitter, at Rochelle Renee, with that same spelling. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at unabashedyou at gmail.com. We do depend on website visits, social media, and word of mouth. We delight in growth, knowing these conversations help you ponder, celebrate what it is to be a woman, and move you in some way. So continue to listen, read, and be inspired. Our blessing for today, I see every moment of my life now, both the difficult and the joyful, as a moment to be embraced, because God is in the center of my storms and my blessings. Amen. Now, go choose joy. Be unabashed. Be you. (laughs) 